Matthew chapter 5. Let's read verses 1 through 12. Began this study last Sunday here in the, what is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And seeing the multitudes, our Lord went up into a mountain. And he went, when he was come, when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and he taught, he taught them, saying, and as I said last week, we'll see on in this study, even on in chapter 5, he said, you've heard that it was said of them by them of old times. They knew those sayings. They knew what the scriptures said. They knew the letter of the law. They didn't understand the spirit of the law. But he said, but I say unto you, he taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly, exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Our Lord is showing what his children are. He's not describing how people are saved. He's describing his children that are born of his spirit. He is describing what true righteousness is. He said, except your righteousness, the righteousness that he gives, except your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter into the, <clears throat> to the kingdom of God. And he said, blessed, blessed. There are some people in this world who are blessed. Those that are chosen of God are blessed. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, the world knows nothing about this blessedness. They have picked up the habit now, you have a blessed day. I guess what they mean is that everything goes well that day. And if things don't go well, then you're cursed but they don't understand what it is to be blessed. And if you're blessed, you are happy. Blessed. Blessed. The first one he mentions here, blessed are the poor in spirit. This is not poor in poverty. The majority of those who are, that listened to our Lord probably were the common people. It said the common people heard him gladly. But this is poor in spirit. Material poverty does not in and of itself produce humility. You would think that a man who had, who had nothing would be humbled. But some of the proudest people I have met are those who had the least. I tried to talk to one about getting a job, and I said, listen, I would just swallow my pride and go in there and ask the man, say, look, I made a mistake. Would you please give me my job back? And they said, I ain't begging. I'm not begging. Most of the time, it produces bitterness. 
bitter at everybody, blaming everybody. What it means to be poor in spirit, it means to be emptied of all self-importance, all self-righteousness, and all self-confidence. Poor in spirit. It is just the opposite. What is poverty of spirit? It is just the opposite of a haughty, haughty, self-sufficient spirit. Our Lord says they, they say that they are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. When God ever strips you, he will show you that you, without him, you have nothing, you know nothing, and you are nothing. And you never grow above that. It's amazing. The first thing, first one he mentions is this poverty of spirit. We are poor in spirit because we're bankrupt. Bankrupt. This, someone said, the foundation of all the other graces, there's eight of them mentioned here, is laid in humility. Poor in spirit, you could see it illustrated in the prodigal son who went to the hog pen, who had all the money he could want, and he wasted it. And he began to be in want. He has nothing. He's not only poor, he not only has no money at all, he's poor in spirit. And he become, he began to think about the father who had everything. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom has a king. He sets up his rule. He speaks a lot about the kingdom of heaven. They are children of the kingdom. Secondly, they, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Why do they mourn? Because they're poor in spirit. They mourn over their condition. They mourn over their sin, They mourn over their indwelling sin. They mourn over their hearts. They mourn when the Spirit of God is grieved. They mourn over the sin that's in this world. Mourn. Mourn. This is what the Bible refers to as godly sorrow. Mourning over who they are. Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? That's a man mourning morning. This comes from a broken heart, but notice the promise after each one of these. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs theirs is the kingdom of God. It didn't say theirs might be the kingdom of God. Theirs is the kingdom of God. And those that mourn, what a blessing, they shall be comforted. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. The Holy Spirit of God, he's the comforter. How can you receive any comfort? You know, somebody that mourns, they need some comfort. And the only one that can comfort is Christ. He, he says, how does he do it? I've put your sins away. They're all gone. They're all gone. Then thirdly, blessed are the meek. This is the product of the first two, pouring, poor in spirit and Mourning over their sin. The meek, meek, they submit to God. 
they bow to his word. Christ our Lord was the king of meekness. They didn't drag him to the cross. They led him to the cross as a lamb to the slaughter, and he didn't open his mouth. He did say when women were coming behind him, they were crying. They said, blessed are the paps which never gave suck and, and all that. And he said, he turned, he said, don't, don't mourn for me. Don't mourn for me. You mourn for yourselves, and you should mourn for your children. But don't mourn for me. Don't mourn for me like I'm some victim then I can't do anything. No, 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 don't mourn for me. He was meek. You want to see how strength, how strong his meekness is? He said, I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. It wasn't nails that held him to the cross. It was the, for his love for the Father, him being obedient unto the Father, and his love for his people. People misunderstand. They think meekness is weakness. No, it's not. It's not. Moses was the meekest man. You imagine walking in there before Pharaoh, and he said, God told you to let his people go. You imagine how they grumbled and grumbled and grumbled, and then he finally lost his temper. Yeah, he did. I'd have lost mine a whole lot quicker than he did. But why does a man, but meekness, blessed are the meek. We're not easily provoked. Or to get angry. We patiently bear injuries and insults. We bear them. You know what? That's hard. These are things that God produces. He produces the poor in spirit and the mourning and the meekness. They have the meanest thoughts of themselves and the best thoughts of others. Esteem others better than yourselves. You know what Paul said? We know that he wrote half of the New Testament. He traveled more than any other apostle. And you know what he said? Here's meekness. He said, I am less than the least of all men. He didn't say I'm the greatest. I am the apostle Paul, as men like to say today. They love titles. They love for men to bow at their feet. Meekness is when our Lord stooped down and washed feet. That's meekness. Meekness is when they spit it in his face, he took it. When he was reviled, he didn't say a word, just took it. You imagine the strength it took to take that. Now, I can tell you this, only God can do that. But blessed are the meek. His people are poor in spirit. I, you know, hear me. I'm talking about all his people. They are poor in spirit, they mourn over their sin, and they are meek because his grace has made them so. What did he say? Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. He said it's an impossibility. It sure is, but apart from the grace of God. Someone said, I thought this was a good point, blessed is the man who has been mastered by God. He's our master. They shall inherit the earth. When Adam sinned, he forfeited his right over the earth. God gave him dominion over all of it. 
but Christ regained it all for his elect. We, as God's people, we shall inherit the heavens and the earth because what's his is ours. They shall what? Inherit the earth. It's an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled. I didn't, an inheritance is not something I worked for. It's something that's given. If you're born into a family and all get the same inheritance, and we all get Christ, who is our reward, inheritance. He told Abraham, I'm your exceeding and great reward. And they shall inherit the earth. Inherit the earth. And then fourthly, we touched on this one just a little bit, and I don't want to rush these. The fourth one, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They're not hungering and thirsting after recognition. They are hungering, a hunger. You know what it is? It is a a hunger. We are hungry. What are we hungry for? We should be hungry for the things of God. We're hungry and thirsty for his righteousness. Nothing else will satisfy. Not a patched-up righteousness. What they need and what we need is that which we hunger and thirst after. And our Lord must deliver us from hungering and thirsting and seeking after the things of the world. No man can serve two masters. Hunger and thirst, that's what drives him. I've got to have something to eat. I'm hungry. You know, we don't know much about really getting physically hungry, do you? We just, we just like, we eat because we love to eat. <laughs> that's Most of the time that's right. But when you, you go without a meal for, just miss a couple of meals, you'll get hungry. Say, I'm hungry. And you have to be satisfied. And if you're really hungry... You sit down at the table. It doesn't matter if they got a paper plate. It doesn't matter if they got the finest china you could ever buy. None of that matters. I'm not eating the plate. I'm not eating either the paper plate or the china plate. I'm eating what's on the plate. People want to come. They want to see a fine building. All these things. and They're hungry for those things. You're hungry for one thing. If you're his, you're hungry for one thing, and that's him. Nothing else will satisfy. What? And you want what? His, his righteousness. He begins to long now after righteousness. Before he didn't. The question we ask over and over, how can I be made righteous in the sight of God? Who am a sinner, who mourn over my sin, who made, I've been made humbled by my sin, He hungers. His appetites, his cravings are for spiritual things. If you would turn with me to chapter 3 of Philippians, I'll show you this. Paul was a man before his conversion. He was a man that was uh, recognized. He was a man who was held in high reputation. He had the things that he hungered for. He strove for, he wanted everybody to 
to see him. He, he knew where he came from. He knew his physical lineage. He said, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it's safe. Beware of dogs. Now, he's not talking about some dog that you got out here in town. He's talking about false preachers. Beware of dogs who can't bark. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinketh he have where he might trust in the flesh, I have more. I've got more reason to trust in the flesh than anybody. If you, if you want to compare notes, he says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old under the law of God. I was of the stock of Israel. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. How did he know he was of the tribe of Benjamin? They kept genealogies because those things were important to them. Where'd you come from, Jeff? You come from who? Asher? Zebulun? Oh, one of them tribes. Oh, no, I come from the youngest son, the favorite son after Joseph. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Who else was of the tribe of Benjamin? Saul, King Saul was a tribe of Benjamin. And Hebrew of the Hebrews, that says, my mother was a Hebrew. She was not a half-breed. My father was a Hebrew. I have royal blood running in my veins. Basically, that's what he's saying. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law, I was a Pharisee. You couldn't go any higher than Pharisees. They were looked up to. They, want, they, they even put uh, scriptures on their coats. They, they wanted everybody, they loved to stand in the corner of the street and pray and be seen and heard. That's what they hungered after. He said, that's what I hungered after. I'm telling you, he said, I know from a fact. I've done it. That's what he's saying. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now that's a big statement. Not the righteousness of the law, but the righteousness which is in the law, whatever the law commanded, I'm blameless. Keep bringing any charge to me. Look what I've done. Blameless. I keep the Ten Commandments. I, I believe that God's children are the elect of God. They are the chosen nation of God. He believed these things before he was ever converted. Now listen, but, you know, it's always put out, point out that little word. Something's happened. We're having a contrast here. We, we see he says what he once was, but what things were gained to me, that's all it was about in religion, was about gain to us. Those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but manure, that I may win Christ. I could see him if he had his Ph.D. and all these things in the, hung up on his wall somewhere. He went in there and took them all down. 
probably throwed them out in a pile and burned them. Those were important to him at one time, not anymore. Because you know what? I want to win Christ. It was all, everything else was about me winning for myself. And I strove and I was hungering and I was thirsting after these things. And it never satisfies. Do count them at dawn that I may win Christ. And here it is, verse 9. And be found in him. That's the blessed man. How can I and how can you be found in Christ? If he finds you outside Christ, you're outside the ark, and you're a doomed man. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of, which is of God by faith, and here it is, that I may know him. You know what our desire is? If we're believers, it's to know him. It's to know more about him. It's to know how can I be made righteous in his sight? Am I righteous in his sight? <laughs> that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. We're going to get on down to that. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. He, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the power that must raise the dead, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto, it, unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I'll follow after it that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but there's one thing I do, and here's the one thing we must do, forgetting those things which are behind. Whether it was religion, it's hard to forget it. It's hard to not, it, it, it still influences us, I'm telling you. We, we, we still think, we still do, if we'll be honest, we still think that when we sin, there's something we can do and we can make it up. We still think there's something that we can do to remove it. Christ removed it. He said, we've not yet have arrived. I don't count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, one thing, forgetting those things which are behind, I forget those things, and I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That sounds like a man that God did something for him. It's amazing that the Lord let him go through all that religion. He knew firsthand. He knew firsthand it was empty. He knew, but now he's pressing toward the mark. Hey, what's that mark? That's Christ. We're hungering and thirsting after what? Righteousness. Righteousness. And what's the blessing? Didn't say they might be filled. They shall be filled. You know, when you get done eating, you're filled. <laughs> filled. You know what it says in Proverbs 27, verse 7. Now listen to this verse. 
the full soul, the full soul, loafeth or makes light of a honeycomb. I think honeycomb can have a picture, be a picture of Christ. It be a picture of the, the gospel that is just so, so sweet. And you know, honey's not man-made. It's made of little bees that suck the nectar out of a flower and make honey. They, the full soul loafeth the honeycomb. And here's the word but again, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing. And says made sweet is sweet. Suffering would be bitter. Oh, it's sweet. Samson killed the lion. And he the carcasses out and he comes back and the next day or the day after or something. You know what's happened? A bunch of bees have built inside that carcass. And from the wild, from the mean, he reaches in and brings forth Sweet. The full soul makes light of these things, but to the hungry soul. We can preach about God's wrath. We can preach about, we, can, we do preach those things. We can preach the righteousness of the law, but because it is satisfied in Christ, those bitter things is sweet. Is sweet. And then the fifth one. Blessed are the merciful. It means they are kind, gentle, and compassionate. Men by nature are not kind. They are not gentle. And they have no compassion. You know why they are merciful? Because they have received mercy. Mercy makes a man merciful. If a man's not merciful, there's something wrong. Grace makes a man gracious. <clears throat> they're merciful because they've received mercy. They're not merciful because they're naturally tender-hearted. This is not a natural trait. I'm not proud of it, but I'm going to use it as an illustration. I, I, you know, I have some memories. We had memories when we were kids. I remember, I think it was a primary. I can't remember what grade that was. You had your beginners and your primaries and intermediates in Sunday school. And we were in the intermediates, whatever that was. I remember, and I, and I still know the girl to this day. We even graduated high school together. But she was in our wisdom room as a bunch of toys, you know. But we're, we're, we're good little kids, you know. We go to church, and she got the toy. She got more than the toy. I should have never done it, but I slapped her right in the face. You go, man, that's mean. Why did I do that? I ain't being kind. That ain't being compassionate. You know what that is? That's nothing more than depravity. I'm not making light of that. I wish I could have took that back. But it's one of those memories. You go, why? I remember my mom would come in there and she lit me up. I never forgot that part, too. But what I'm saying is we're not naturally kind. You go, why would you do that? When I said that, y'all just got plump silent. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you, blessed are the merciful. I should have just said, you go ahead and take the toy. But when we're little, 
And, and even when we get big, unless God does something, it's all about us. We get mad when you take our little toys. We fight for our little toys. We fight for our rights. We think these are mine. You come into this world naked and you're leaving it naked. That's what Job had to learn. He was taught. You know, some illustrations of mercy. Abraham was merciful to Lot. He said, Lot, you look out, and you choose whichever land you want, and you take your herds, and you can feed your goats or cattle, whatever, on that grass. And he said, oh, boy, it looks good dinner in that valley, all oh, that valley, that green grass. This place called Sodom, I don't care. I just want to take, go down there. And Abraham said, I'll take what's left. I want to ask you a question. How many of us would have done that? We said, I'm the senior, I'm the elder, I'm taking whatever I want, and he can have what's left. Joseph was merciful to his brothers who sold him into slavery, and they didn't care what happened to him. And they even lied to their daddy. Or they brought their daddy his coat, and they said, they just said, is this your son's coat? You do, You just come up and decide what you think happened to him. And they wanted him to think that he was killed by lions, which was a lie. He's not even dead. They didn't care. Didn't care anything about their father, no. They were all about hating Joseph. David was merciful to Saul. This man hated David. If God hadn't stopped him, he would have killed him. And one day David's in a, back in a cave, he, and here comes King Saul, and he maybe goes in there to take him a nap or whatever, probably cool inside of a cave. And David's buddy said, yeah, here's your chance. Why don't you just go ahead and kill him? Get rid of him. Won't have to deal with it anymore. And some believe he cut the backside of his skirt off just to humiliate him. You know what I say? We, we, we won't hurt him, but we'll just humiliate him a little bit. You know what it says? David's heart smote him. He said, I shouldn't have done that. A merciful person won't repeat the matter. He is merciful to the poor. He's merciful to those around him. The Pharisee has no mercy for anyone. If you want to be happy, really happy, show mercy. If there's one thing every one of us in this building need this morning, it is mercy. Mercy. <clears throat> Romans twelve twenty. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him to drink. And as I've already mentioned, it's even in this chapter, Matthew chapter five, verse forty four. But I. He says, but I say unto you. You've heard what it said before. You know what the law said? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's what it said. The law said if you're caught in adultery, you take them out and you stone them to death. That's what the law said. And it was unbending. He said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. 
You go, how in the world can anybody measure up to that saying? Blessed are the merciful. I want to show you this in closing. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Verse 21. <clears throat> you know, the disciples were exposed to the law. and Can you imagine when they start hearing our Lord say these things? This is a little confusing to them. What, what, what does this mean? I, he says, then came Peter to him and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Till seven times. Oh, I'll keep, I'm, you know what that is? We keep in records. <laughs> we'll keep seven times. Oh, and that's, that's me going a long way. I'm going to forgive him seven times, but boy, I ain't going to forgive you the eighth time. You done crossed the line. Jesus said, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. He's not, he's just saying an unlimited number. He's not, he didn't say, no, 70 times seven, whatever that is. Therefore, is the kingdom of heaven, as we mentioned, they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed the king 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had nothing to pay, his Lord commanded him. Now, here's the law. The law commanded that he to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. It's like, okay, Jeff, we've come to the house. We've come to collect the debt. We're going to get Jeff. We're going to get Laura. We're going to go down and get Jimmy, Sarah, James, and Isaac. And we're going to go get the whole family because the debt's owed. That's the law. The debt has to be paid. Now, look, the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, he's begging for mercy. Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And you know what? He can't pay all that debt. But he thought he could, didn't he? He said, just have mercy. I'll pay you the whole debt. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave the debt. You did what? Forgave the debt. I can see Jeff saying, Lord, we don't have to go to jail. James says, Sarah, we don't have to go to jail. The debt's paid. I'm here to tell you, our Lord paid the debt. We couldn't pay it. We had nothing to pay. But what does that servant do? But the servant that he forgave went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence with just a little, little amount, and he laid hands on him. He took him by the throat saying, you pay me what you owe me. You know what? Apart from grace, that's what we do. We'll grab you by the throat and you better pay me what you owe me. How are you going to pay me? Well, I'll make him suffer. I'll, I'll get my pound of flesh. 
And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. That's the very same thing he did. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. How's he going to pay the debt in prison? I guess he'll serve it off. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. They, you know what? They saw that and they said, that ain't right. That's not right. Then his Lord, after that, he had called him. He said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you desired me. Shouldest thou not also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And the Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my father do unto you, if you from your heart forgive not every one his brother their trespass. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, we know we're not showing mercy to try to get mercy. That's what the law thinks. That's what the world thinks. We show mercy because you've been given mercy. Why are you merciful to your enemy? Why am I merciful? Oh, how merciful. Oh, how merciful. His mercy endures forever. We still keep incurring debt, and he's done paid for them. Let me read you one more. I told him I'd give you, I got a few minutes. Let me give you one more text. They shall obtain mercy. 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 16. First Timothy 1, verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, this is Paul speaking, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a, and a persecutor and injurious. There's the word but again. But you see them next three words? I obtained mercy. That's how he described it. I, you mean a no blasphemer and injurious? Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. How does he save sinners? He shows them mercy. It was a mercy seat. How be it? How be it? For this cause I obtained mercy. He never got over the fact that he obtained mercy. You want being saved if somebody asks you, said, I obtained mercy. How did you obtain it? Well, I sure didn't work for it. I had nothing to pay. I got mercy. Mercy says you're forgiven. Mercy is God not giving you just exactly what you deserve. Mercy. That in me first, Christ Jesus may show forth all longsuffering 
for a pattern to them which should henceforth believe on him to everlasting life. One more verse. I'll be through. Matthew 7, verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Whatever punishment you give is what you receive. Whatever you measure out, that's how much you'll get. I'm glad he's put her sins away. Bless, blessed are the merciful. It's blessed to meet people who are merciful because if they're merciful, God made them so. For they shall obtain mercy. Amen. We'll pick up there.